Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Without Limits podcast recorded here at the Performance Locker in Alpena, Michigan. I'm your host, Casey Stutzman, and extremely excited for this week's conversation. We sat down and talked with Wynn Tezak, who is a physical therapist at Thunder Bay Therapy, which is a locally owned um, physical therapy clinic here in town that we've had a long-standing relationship with. Uh, one of the things that makes Wynn very special and very unique is that she specializes in pelvic floor. And so the conversation really dives into what is the pelvic floor? Why do I care about it? Should men care about it too? How does that tie into core stability? How does it tie into breathing? Is breathing important when it comes to core stability and performance? And all these things. I am forewarning you, this is a this is probably some of the most bird walking that we've done in an episode in quite some time. So there's a lot of great conversations that we start or questions that might be posed that maybe don't get fully answered. Um, but really quickly decided I had a list of stuff that I wanted to talk to with Wynn and she was just such a wealth of information and I, I really liked where the conversation was going. Um, that we weren't able to get to even a teeniest little bit of it. So she's definitely someone that we're going to have on again in the future. We already have a time scheduled to, to meet again. So don't fret if there's things that you're like, ah, wait a minute. Um, that being said, when you listen to the episode, when you're done, if there's things that that we we didn't touch on that you would like to, to dive deeper into, shoot us a message, leave us a comment, get in touch with us some way, let us know, and I'll be happy to bring those up on the next podcast. Um, also, if you have any specific questions that uh, that you have have for when that you'd like to get answered or, or things that you want want us to talk about specifically, so feel always feel free to send those to us. But without further ado, here is Win Tzak. So, welcoming to the podcast, we have Win Tzak. Hi, Win. Hello. How are you doing? I am great. So, for the the people out there listening, could you give uh, the the brief? Who are you, and what do you do? <laughs> well, my name is Win. Um, yes, like you win a game. Uh, nobody ever but gets spelled not no, it's W Y N N E. Yes. Oh, you got the E. Good job. What? So okay. <laughs> we used to have a girl who worked here a long, long, long time ago. When you were doing a, uh, you had done way. You'd done a couple things for us in the past, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she was communicating with you. And every time I talked to her, she's like, well, I talked to Winnie today. I'm like, it's Win. It's just Win. Yeah. Win. Okay. <laughs> I really answer to anything because, yeah, yeah. Do you ever, like, thanks, Mom and Dad. Yeah. Not only for, like, I mean, the unique name's cool, but, like, did you have to spell it, like, in the unique yeah. way? Because i got to deal with that my entire life. Yeah. Yes, and the, like, you know, when you're in class. By the way, your parents are wonderful people. Yes, they are. Oh, I love my parents. So I, I love I having a different I, name. I don't want it yes. to go. Yes, no, it was great. And my kids have weird names because I liked having a weird name. But it was like, you know, you're in school and the teacher's reading down the list, like, Jane, John, Sarah. And then there's a pause. <laughs> and I go, it's Win. And I'm right here. Yeah. How yeah. old were you before you learned to recognize that? Oh, I pretty always yeah. forever. Okay. Yeah. Good. So you're good. Yeah. You're and yeah. you're you're a, you're a pretty easygoing person. Yeah. So this is yeah. not. You know what always kills oh, me? Like you'll meet someone. Yeah. And their name is Amy. Yeah. And you spell it A M Y. Yes. And they get so pissed at you. Yes. I'm like, excuse me for not assuming that it's A I M E E because yeah. that's just the norm. Right. So right. like. I appreciate you correcting me, but you don't yeah. have to get mad. No, don't be Like, no. it, Amy's the basic, yeah. A-M-Y. Yeah. And I'm not picking on any Amy's, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, I've had that happen a couple right. times where people are, like, super pissed that I didn't know that the weird spelling of their name. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. okay. See, well, and the other problem is that 
everyone remembers my name. Yes. Because it's weird. Yes. I suck at remembering names. And so everybody's like, hey, when? I'm like, hey. You? You? How you doing? I think part of that comes with the territory, though. Yeah. Like, so we are obviously in very different fields. Yeah. Well, not so different. I mean, they're in the physical realm. Yeah. Right? Um, yes. Oh, I should probably mention what I do. Instead. Well, we'll get there. Uh, we like to bird walk. It's a yeah. term that Kelly came up with. Love it. It's where we just kind of go in circles. Sure. Uh, sure. But... So you see numerous people a day, mm-hmm. and you always see people in a certain context. Correct. And then, like, you'll run into someone at Meyer yes. or at an event, and yes. they're like dressed up, or they're in different, their yep. work clothes or normal clothes, yes. and they're out of context. And you're like, hey, and you're like, hey, and especially yeah. for you guys, and this will segue nicely into what you do. Yeah. You might not be the only therapist working with someone. You right. might see one of your colleagues' patients right. once or twice, and then they know you. Yep. But that was appointment number fifteen for you that day. Right. So yeah. So right. yes. I, there was there was a couple times, <clears throat> especially when I first lived here, and I, you know I, the only place I knew people was from the gym environment. Yep. And then you'd see them out in town, and they're like wearing a suit. Yeah. And I just know you as like baggy shorts, tank <laughs> yeah. top guy. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you're wearing nice clothes. You're like, hey, I'm like, hey, you. And then later I'm like, oh my God, that was so and so. They were wearing yeah, real clothes. It was red shorts. Yeah, it was yeah. red shorts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then instantly I'm like, yeah. I, I know their name and I know, yeah, yeah everything else. Yeah. But it's just like that context sometimes. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Absolutely. I digress. What do you do? I am a physical therapist. We should actually, oh, so I was going to say, like, we had put enough clues out there. Oh, we should make people guess. guess. Oh, that would be good. But they can't do it in real time. No. So, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I am a physical therapist. I'm at Thunder Bay Therapy and Sports Medicine. Or off Long Rapids there. Um, and I specialize in pelvic floor therapy. Which is fascinating. Yes. And that's like something yes. I want to dig into just a yes. little bit. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. there's another like bigger question. that Not bigger. There's, there's, there's a couple different areas that I want to kind of touch on here today. Yes. Is one is your area of expertise. Sure. Because I think it's a world that so many people don't even know exists. Absolutely. But yet affects all of us at such a foundational level. Yep, everybody. And I think it's one of those things that like, once there's awareness brought to it, the amount of improvement that we can see in a number of different things that might have been challenging for a period of time, it's like this magical key that unlocks all this stuff. It is. It is. It's so, so, when I started doing pelvic floor therapy, (coughs) it almost felt like I was cheating. Right. Because people got better so much faster. So So easy. Like it was so easy to get them better. I'm like, it was like I found a secret, you know, it was, it was cool. But, but would you agree? So in, in, in your perception, yes. how long has it been since like people have been focused on, let's call it core training? Because I mean, it, it's, it's still a relatively newer thing. I mean, for a long period of time in fitness, yeah. wellness, like people were not so core centric. Mm-hmm. People weren't talking functional exercises. People weren't talking about core. We might do some quote unquote abs at the very end of our workout, yeah. but it was only from the standpoint of maybe trying to get a six pack. Yeah. That was oh, it. Yeah. yeah. So how... How long ago did you start to notice like this this awareness of like, hey, there's this thing that's kind of important that's not your biceps and your quads? That is a really good question. And it's hard for me to answer because I think like I started hearing about it probably when I was in college. But then once I went to grad school, obviously I learned a lot about it because of what I do. What year did you graduate? Your, uh, your undergrad. Uh, Just for hold context. Hold on. I, 2003, okay. right? I graduated high school 99, undergrad 2003, grad school 2007. So you're like, yes. what, 37? 30, what year is it? 38. Yes. I didn't realize we were the same age. Yes. Yeah. 
So you're um, like so much more professional. So I was assuming <laughs> that like it's not that you look older, but I'm just like what are you trying to say, Casey? That you're like you're like an adult, like with a real job and yeah. everything else. Yeah. So I'm just like, wow, well, we're the same age. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yes, yeah, so I wear shorts to work every day. That's well, I would if I could, except I get too cold. Um, um, but yeah, that it was about like when I was in grad school, but. And when I was learning about core, they would say, your diaphragm is a core muscle. Right. And then they'd move on. And I, that was, I, I was like, well, wait, 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 back up. What, what do you mean by that? But they didn't even know. I think they were just kind of starting to figure it out. Yeah. Now, in the research, because I geek out on the research, but it started, they started looking at the role of the pelvic floor and the diaphragm in uh-huh. core in probably the 90s. Okay. And um, is this around the same time that like transverse abdominis became like the super sexy new muscle to yep. train? Okay. Yep. And that's the other part of it. Okay. Um, so your core really is made up of your transverse abdominis, which mm-hmm. wraps all the way around you mm-hmm. along with your paraspinals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then your pelvic floor and your diaphragm. Define pelvic floor yes. for the, the yep. uninitiated. So your pelvic floor are the muscles that lie kind of like a hammock in the bottom of your pelvis. So your pelvis is a ring of bone, yep. and then those muscles kind of sit down in there. So it like a bowl. Mm-hmm. Like yep. It makes this nice little bowl of like bone and tissue. Correct. Holds everything. What is the primary function of said pelvic floor? <laughs> well, so it does everything. It's the mom of the body. Okay. Okay. So I like to say it plays on a lot of different teams. Okay. Okay, so it's on the peeing, pooping team. Yep. Right? It's on the sex and babies team. Yep. Okay? It's also on the circulation team. Yep. So it helps with your blood and lymph circulation. It is on the breathing team. Um, it is also on the digestion team. Okay. Um, and so, well, yeah. And then it is, one of its primary roles is to help stabilize your your back and your pelvis. But even just what you touched on there, mm-hmm. so based on your definition, it's really safe to say that if we have any type of chink in the armor within this area, all of those systems you just listed, which are all pretty important, kind of, yeah. can Breathing be negatively system. affected. Correct. So Correct. kind of back to your comment about like the magic wand, yes. it's like you have digestion issues, you have circulatory yes. issues, we're having reproductive issues, yes. we're having consonance issues, like, yes. or even on the probably lesser end of the spectrum just i'm having trouble stabilizing my spine i'm mm-hmm. getting low back pain mm-hmm. we're getting deep um uh, Hip pain. what's the uh, i'm, I'm blanking here no nope. no what's the see now i'm, I'm too deep and now i have to i gotta I have <laughs> you to, dove too deep lumbo pelvic area thank but you yes, yes, yes. which is an yeah. area for like you know we always hear about like mm-hmm. si sciatica mm-hmm. lumbo i mean yep. people don't always say lumbo pelvic but nope. like where they're expressing that their pain and their discomfort is right you can put a pin on that map right, right. there so right. Without being able to, yeah, so if, if we're not fully functioning in this particular area, all these things can be negatively affected. Right. Negatively affected. And the, the, the thing is, so if you think about all those things I just talked about, right. pain, pooping, babies, digestion, circulation, all that stuff, you shouldn't have to think about those things, right? Right. Right. They should happen automatically. Exactly. So our body is not programmed to pay attention to our pelvic floor. Because it should just do its thing. We shouldn't have to pay attention to it. So when something goes wrong, we don't notice because we're not supposed to pay attention. 
Right? I think I might be jumping ahead on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to get to it too. But like breathing, yep. it's the exact same way. Like you will breathe. Yes, you have Whether to. it's an efficient, effective, stabilizing breath that's going to promote good spine position or it's a really crappy breath right. that's going to really wrench on your anterior spine, mm-hmm. your body's going to breathe. Right. It, it, and if you put it in the position where it has to compromise something in mm-hmm. order to maintain breath, it will do that. Yes. So it will continue to breathe at the... The, the negative long-term effects of your spine because it knows if you stop breathing, you're going to die right now. Right. So it is, it, it, it's a fascinating thing. It's a fascinating it area because it's something that's going to happen involuntarily, but yep. yet you can consciously tap into. Right. And if yep. we've created these roadblocks, whether it be too much sitting or past mm-hmm. injuries or the, the myriad of lists of things that can cause dysfunction in any of these areas, mm-hmm. it's still going to happen. Right. So I'm guessing. Yep. And you can jump off this. Mm-hmm. A big part of what you're going to be dealing with is trying to figure out like maybe where it went wrong, okay. what is going wrong, and then how do we bring some awareness to that area to yeah. improve? So what I so I look at these things that we just talked about, the back pain, right. the trouble taking a deep breath, the digestion issues. That's your pelvic floor screaming for help. Yes. Okay. I see that. I can recognize it because I'm trained to. Right. You might say, well, my back hurts because I sit all day at my desk. Or I'm tired all the time because I have two kids. Right. Or, you know, you're going to find an excuse. But for me, it's this like constellation of symptoms that say, oh my gosh, your pelvic floor needs some help. Um, And the, the thing I have found is if you go back to that, to the breathing and the pelvic floor, everything else just kind of falls into place. Right. And worst case scenario, you check that box... Mm-hmm. And then if there's still an issue, you're now dealing on the actual issue right. instead right. of dealing on the the, the symptomatic yes. parts and not dealing with the root issue, which right. might be diaphragm, pelvic floor, and looking right. at, let's call it deep core. Yes. I mean, yes. For, for intensive purposes. Right. Of, yeah. People. Simplicity's sake. Um, so, and that was what I found when I started using this. So I started pelvic floor therapy, not because I wanted to, but because there was a need and I was the and last person. Right. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. I was a physical therapist, so I didn't have to have people take their clothes off. Okay. I did not want to have people take their clothes off. Um, no, I, Teresa, my boss yeah, said, yeah. there's only one pelvic floor therapist in Alpina. Right. We need to, you know, fill this need. And I was the newest hire. So, guess who got to go to training? You know, in the same token, though, I feel like it's the type of job you need a certain temperament for. Yes. And you have it. I, yes. Which so is what I figured out you later. You could argue that you were probably born for it. I, yes, I think I was. It was one of those life pushes you in, the, in a certain in, direction. Right. Yeah. And it, so, what made the difference for me was my very first patient was a lady who, if her bladder was at all full and she was sitting, when she stood up, she would completely empty her bladder. Right. So if you imagine, like, she didn't go out of her house, she didn't go to doctor's appointments, she didn't go to the dentist, she didn't oh, go to friends because she didn't want to right. wet her pants in public. Right. Um, so after her first treatment, I went out, you know, she came back for another visit, and I went out to the waiting room, and I said, oh, hey, how are you doing? And she looked at me, and she goes, what did you do to me? <laughs> and of course, I in my head, I'm going, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Did I break you? I'm so Is sorry. Is there a lawyer here? <laughs> right. Like, oh my God. Are you recording this? <laughs> right. But so, you know, I'm pretty good on the outside. I stayed cool. (laughs) Oh, uh, what do you mean by that? And she told me she had not had a single leak since I saw her the last time. And so that, it just kind of clicked, sealed the deal that if I could do this for someone with one visit, 
I'm not a patient person. Um, if I could fix somebody like that with one visit, oh my God, I'm in. That's like I'm all thing. in. But then what I noticed was um, I actually had another patient who she had had three back surgeries, um, numbness in her leg, pain in her back. She was still in awful shape. We had tried everything. She happened to be working out in the pool. And she and I were just chatting as she was exercising about this course I had been to. And she goes, you know, I have a lot of those symptoms. Right. Could we maybe work on some of those? And I said, well, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I just started this, right? And she said, well, yeah, sure. So I did a treatment with her. I stepped out of the room so she could change. I came back in and she's sitting in the chair crying. And I'm not going, oh my God, what did I do? I'm so sorry. I don't know. But stayed cool, calm, collected, right? And I said, are you okay? And she looked at me and she said, that's the first time I haven't had pain in five years. So I went, huh. There's something to this. Maybe it's more than just the people who pee their pants. Right. And then my patients who I was seeing for pelvic floor told me, you know, I do my exercises before I go to sleep because it makes my neck stop hurting and I relax and I fall asleep better. And so I said, well, why would their neck and their pelvic floor, and that's where I got into the breathing, and then it just blossomed from there that it, I think everybody is a pelvic floor patient. That's actually kind of where I want to go to. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, you say physical therapy. Mm-hmm. The majority of the population thinks broken Correct. or old. Yep. This is These are the people who need yep. you. You blew out an ACL. Yep. Or you're over 65. Right. And other than that, yeah. So, you know, my fear is people, you know, might be hearing this and be like, well, that, that's not for me. Like, right. I, I'm not the person who my bladder empties every time I get out of a chair. Right. Or I'm in chronic, da 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 da, da. Mm-hmm. What would you, I'm trying to think the best way to phrase this. You probably know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. But like, for your average person who's yeah. just, who's active, mm-hmm. who doesn't have any, let's call it, diagnose chronic pain but right. maybe is dealing with like things that just like oh that's always felt that way right or there's certain exercises that they like they're active but maybe they avoid certain mm-hmm. things because of certain issues mm-hmm. what's your sell to that person in terms of paying more att- like why should that person who's just your general fitness practitioner mm-hmm. care about yeah. paying any attention in this area yeah. so my favorite patients are the ones who come in and say, well, I probably shouldn't even be here, but, oh my gosh, I love those patients because like three or four visits, we can fix whatever was going on and prevent so much problem down the line. So if people are having any of those little signs, like moms, I don't care how many kids you've had, if you laugh really hard, you should not pee your pants. You know, you should not pee when you do jumping jacks. You should not pee when you run. Jump roping comes up quite jump often. Roping. I mean, that's, yes. you know, like, I, there's so many things about jump roping from a foundational standpoint, mm-hmm. movement-wise and running prep and all these things that I love. Yep. And, and it, so we use it on a regular basis. Yep. But as you can imagine, it's a conversation that comes up. Yep. And, and that's the problem is that it's a conversation comes up. Everybody thinks it's normal. Mm. You know, like, oh, yeah, you pee too. Well, we had kids. And what drives me freaking crazy is that there are advertisements out there that show, like, young moms playing with their kids that say leaks shouldn't get in the way of your normal life by by these pads. And it's... Makes like, sense. tighten up your floor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but sometimes pelvic floor is too tight, Casey. Ah. Yeah, be careful. See, that's, and we need to Which address that, too. Which is why I don't diagnose these things. Right. <laughs> yes, or, and that's the other thing. Women say, well, I had a baby, I started to leak, I did Kegels, they didn't work. Okay. 
So either you're not doing them right because, so Dr. Kegel. I'm sorry, yes. jump off real quick and I want to come back to that. So yeah. when you say too tight, perhaps like overactive to the Correct. point where they just get fatigued and just give up. No, overactive. Well, okay, so you have a runner. Yeah. They have tight hamstrings. Right, right, right. Are they going to be able to run well? No. No. You have a tight pelvic floor. It can't do its job. Gotcha. So it's not that it gets fatigued. It can't do its So looking job. at like if we're having tension in certain areas, mm -hmm. if tissues are shortened, it's going to mm -hmm. change the structure. It's going to change the alignment of the pelvis. Correct. And when you change that position, all of a sudden functionality goes. Correct. Okay. Yes. Um, so, those, um, so those people tend to be what I call grippers. So they tend to really tighten and hold their abs. Okay. Um, either because I, I have a confession, I was a gripper. <laughs> um, because this I, is a safe place. <laughs> this is this is okay. <laughs> um, I had awful, awful back problems in grad school. Like some days I could not walk. Um, I literally had to use a cane in school one day. That was painfully embarrassing. Wow. Um, anyway, so really bad. I had drop foot. I and. If I had ever gone to a doctor, I probably would have ended up having surgery. Yeah. Um, so I had some really bad back problems. Um, and I found that if I tightened my abs as hard as I could, mm -hmm. my back felt a little better. Okay. Um, so I tightened my abs as much as I could pretty much all the time. Um, and either because of that or because for whatever reason right now, flat tummies is yeah. the thing, which really bothers me because flat tummies aren't really healthy tummies. Um, That's a valid point. Oh, uh, keep going because yeah, I want to dive back into yeah. the breathing. Um, so because they're trying to have a flat... And I, and I am guilty of this too. I find myself on the beach in a bathing suit sucking in my tummy. And then I realize, what's the point? <laughs> like, A, no one's looking. And then where are you breathing from? Right, right. I should know better. <laughs> I know better. But so we want to suck in our tummies or we find that it makes us feel better. Or we've been told if you want to stabilize your spine, tighten your abs. You Back know. to transfers or dominance. Right. So we've been given this information or, and I will say I am guilty of this. I was a therapist who told people to tighten their abs to protect their back. Like this was the common Well, that was idea. the knowledge at the time. That was, so right. something that I think that you've hit on so many times already is yep. A, we are a very integrated connection of systems yes and you can't affect one area one system without affecting yes. everything else yes so this idea like one of my least favorite questions in the training space is where someone's like well where should i feel this yeah that's not the point yeah it's not about muscles it's about the patterns it's right. about the movements it's about the positions right. like it's not about feeling it here we're not trying right. to isolate and specify and get that thing to burn Yep. We're trying to get these things lined up in such a way that this movement pattern feels like this. Right. And changing that that kind of Rolodex that your brain goes through to say, like, that's that's what a deadlift, that's what a hinge, that's yep. what so-and-so should feel like. So you, you've touched on how so many of these things, and I think when we get to, like, the whole belly button to spine thing, mm -hmm. which was rampant mm -hmm. and still eh, kind of is a little bit in fitness, yep. um, but back in the 90s, we wanted, we wanted one cure-all we wanted yep. one thing that was going to fix everything yep. so we start looking at these muscles in a vacuum yep. and we look at them by themselves and we don't look at how they incorporate or how they how they partner with everything else mm -hmm. and it, it leads us to kind of these false negatives mm -hmm. or false positives or like well if you do this this is going to and do this right. but then we start to realize over time it's like ah we're kind of cutting off our nose spite our face right. if you're always walking in with that belly button the spine right and that's going to, quote-unquote, tighten transverse abdominis, mm -hmm. or TA, 
like, eh, but then we, we lose diaphragmatic breathing. Mm-hmm. And if we lose that, then what are the other negatives that start coming down the chain? And the thing that's, again, we still run into that in fitness quite often. Yep. And one thing, and, and again, we're probably going to get to the breathing here shortly, is that trying to connect people with like, if, if we start running through some diaphragmatic breath cycles, when you exhale and when you exhale with force and tension, mm-hmm. as if you're trying to stabilize or move a load or do mm-hmm. something intense, <gasps> your trunk cinches. Yes. And that cinching is that activation that you've been looking for. It's just the yep. right way to get there. Right. So we talked about the pelvic floors on mm-hmm. a lot of teams. We talked about like, like bodily function teams, but the way I treat patients, um, well, any patient, is looking at the teams of muscles. So we right. call them slings. Um, I think, I don't, what do you guys tend to call them? Do you, um, or trains? Or, I was going to say anatomy trains. Yeah, is that, that your... Kind of. Have you dug into that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, have, you, have you read that book? I've have read you it. Look, oh my God. You could spend your entire career just like... <laughs> I said I did five pages a day. Oh my God. And sometimes that five pages was 10 pages because I'd yeah. have to reread things. It's intense. But yeah. five pages a day. Yes. And that was... Uh, actually, Maureen and I talked about that on a previous podcast. Like yep. That was a huge game changer yes. for me. Just looking at the body in a different way. So, But yeah, like looking at connected tissue. Yes. Not saying like your hamstrings are a muscle, right. but your hamstrings are part of this chain of muscles mm-hmm. and together here's their primary function, right. but then looking at how the different chains work with each other. Right. So we have kind of in our clinic simplified it to a couple, like three different slings. Yeah. Um, and what the way I explain it to people is like if you were going to throw a baseball right. and you just used your arm, it's not going to go very far and your shoulder is probably going to hurt after. Right. But if you use your whole body to throw, then each of those muscles does a little bit. How do you break down your slings? Um, we do I, anterior, lateral, and posterior. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of doing quadrants. Yeah, and we've kind of combined... Are you starting to go where it's kind of like... So I think, can't remember. There was another episode that we were talking about this. Ben and I yeah. were talking, and we were, we, were, we were digging into contralateral patterns and rotor stability mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know there's different schools of thought. Yep. Like some people will kind of break down like if one sling goes from... And if, if you wanted to specify, you could open this up easily to the legs and the arms. Mm-hmm. But if you were to say right hip to left shoulder right. would kind of be front... So we would do... That would be... Well, it depends on if you were on the front of the body or the... the well, I'm saying so like one... If, if we wanted to go into quadrants, we could yep. go right hip to left shoulder. Mm-hmm. We could go left hip to right shoulder. Correct. And then on the back slings, we would go right shoulder to left hip and vice versa. Or we could just go into two slings and say left hip up to right shoulder to the back of the right shoulder, back to the left left hip and do that kind of like literally complete like the chain. Yes. So are you guys, are you looking, are you doing two or four in that regard? Three. (laughs) Well, in that, well, in that, I don't know exactly what. And then what was the third one? Lateral. So in terms of like frontal plane stability? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and, but the, like the important thing for me is that at the center of each of those, mm-hmm. they different. all cross your pelvic floor, right. right? So they all go across your pelvis. Right. So if your pelvic floor is not functioning, so if you're that mom who just had a baby and you're leaking a little bit and that pelvic floor isn't functioning, none of your slings will either. Right. So you're not going to get that communication across your body. Gotcha. So then when you decide, oh, I'm going to start my running again, 
then all of a sudden your hip's going to start hurting because your hip is doing way more work than it was intended to because it's not communicating with your upper body. And so all these little things are going to add up. So if you're seeing any of those little things, that's when you need to get to therapy. Don't wait until it's a huge deal and it's going to take forever to get better. Like do it right away and get it taken care of right away. And don't just assume it's normal because you had a baby or it's normal because, you know, um, come get it checked out. Taking that into kind of the realm of like, there's a lot of people in, in this environment that, uh, let's call it performance focused, yep. right? Like mm-hmm. I want to run a triathlon, mm-hmm. I want to, I, I like to run, mm-hmm. I want to run without pain, mm-hmm. I want to, I'm a biker, I or I aspire yes. to do or be these things and I want a body that works that allows me to do this. Yes. It's, in, in the fitness realm, it can be very difficult to connect breathing to performance. Yes. Meaning if you have someone who comes in here with big, audacious performance-based yes. goals and you start doing breathing exercises, they look at you like you have a third eyeball. Right. Can you talk to that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what we have found, and this is, there, there are several of us therapists that have, at our clinic that have kind of been working on this together. So I came at it from the pelvic floor perspective. Uh-huh. Some of the other therapists came at it from, they uh, treat more athletes. Right. So they came at, they realized they couldn't treat their athletes without addressing pelvic floor. And right. I realized my pelvic floor patients want to run. Right. So we kind of met in the middle. And you went with Kayla on that one? Yep, Kayla and Emily, nice. mostly. Um, so what we found was that in experimenting with ourselves, mm-hmm. I am not super athletic. Kayla and Emily are very athletic. Okay they are much better compensators so they can make it look really good but it's not there they are using all the wrong muscles to do it and they are causing problems that's where the screen for us Mm -hmm. the fms is such a valuable tool because i cannot like what you just said is gospel yep and your best athletes on your test you're right yeah your best athletes (laughs) are your best compensators yes and we have found some of our Best performers, strongest, fastest, and mm-hmm. best-looking individuals yep. in terms of physique and all that stuff. Have the most dysfunction. Man, there's a lot. There's some <laughs> stuff going on there. Yes. Which is really scary if you think about it because yep. if you think about the speeds they can travel mm-hmm. at, the velocities they're producing, the forces mm-hmm. they're producing, all of that swings open the door yep. for that catastrophic, that ACL, yep. that mm-hmm. rotator, like that yep. thing because your ability to generate force is that much so i mean you got two people that have movement issues one is relatively sedentary one's very active common thinking says well the sedentary person's more at risk and i would argue the opposite yep i would agree because you're out there you're doing more reps you're doing yep. more stuff you're working at higher velocities mm-hmm. you're producing more force like mm-hmm. that's what some of these things don't like and that's why right. they go yep so and the thing that the athletes don't like is starting with the easy exercises because oh, they feel like they're not. I don't feel it burning. It's I, not hurting. <laughs> this isn't working. You know. <laughs> oh. But so what we do to get the buy-in is like have them run, videotape them, see how they're feeling, do these little wimpy exercises, then go do it again. They can see the change. They can feel the change. And they understand the importance. That's a great idea. So what we do is, you know, we start with some really basic stuff. But what the difference is, is that sedentary person is going to start with the the really easy stuff. They're going to work for a while at the really easy stuff. Then they're going to move up a little bit, work a while, move up. The the really athletic person is going to start with the easy stuff, 
within a couple days. They got it. They Their got body it. has figured it out. Right. And then they can move up. And then right. within a couple days. So they progress very quickly into the higher level exercises. Agreed. And they tend to have better body awareness. So then they can understand how to integrate what we're doing into their already the program they're already doing. It's like they don't need as many reps to make it sink. Correct. Or uh, sink it. Yes. Yeah. So, and then the, the other thing. What was I going to say? Uh, we were talking about breathing. Mm-hmm. Or getting the, the, uh, the breathing oh, performance buy-in. The other thing I like about the exercises that I've gone to is that... So, my my patients pre-pelvic floor stuff, yeah. I get them better. Six months later, they'd be back to the same problem. And so, they kept coming back and back. Now, the things that I'm doing now, we're not doing exercises. We're teaching your body how it should function. Right. And your body, once it realizes this is more energy efficient, it's easier for me to breathe... Um, you know, that sort of thing, your body will take over and do it on its own. So typically what I'm finding is I let people go with just a couple of exercises that they do before they do the exercises they want to do or the activity they want to do just to remind their body, these are the muscles that should be working together. This is how I use my breathing. And then everything's an exercise. So you're just, you're trying to create awareness. Right. Well, no, I don't even, we are. I mean, I'm sorry. In the beginning, like just so they're like, oh, this is how it should feel versus how it shouldn't feel. Yeah. And, and, then, I, and that, we are not, I tell my patients all the time, our brains are not big enough. We are not smart enough <laughs> to control all of our emotions. That's a good point. You know, we can't. We're not that good. No. We need it to be an automatic thing that our nervous system does. And so I'm retraining their nervous system to use the right things at the right time without them even having to think about it. Um, so it takes a little bit to get there, but that's the goal is that they should be able to do a new exercise and be able to reason through, okay, how should I do my breathing with this? You know, how should this feel and, and not need me? What kind of homework are they leaving with? And I don't want you mm-hmm. to have to give away all your trade secrets. Here. Um, <laughs> well, everybody gets something different. So. <laughs> That's a good yeah. point. Um, yeah. Or like, what are ways that like, so let's say someone wants to, you know, start to improve mm-hmm. or, or just, have a better awareness of, mm-hmm. of this area, what's going on. Yep. What are things to add to their daily routine, their workout mm-hmm. routine, things to do before they hop on their bike, whatnot? Yep. To... So usually uh, I, I'm the crazy breathing lady at the clinic, but um, everybody gets a breathing exercise to mm-hmm. start with. Um, and that's what I always tell people to go back to. Right. Um, and so I teach them, it depends on their level, but um, we always start with the breathing exercise. And then we usually figure out which sling they have the most problems with Mm -hmm. or you know that sort of thing um and then i give them one or two of those just to kind of get those systems working together again Mm -hmm. and then whatever they choose to do past that then their body should be ready to go and do it right without them even having to think about it or worry about it um so that's kind of the goal and for some people it might just be um standing up the right way you know i can't tell you how many people stand up wrong yeah (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) i know that sounds crazy but no um, it doesn't it's it's so funny because like someone will will walk in and we'll start talking about like either physical aches or ailments or things that have just been with us for a long time and we're always looking for the big causes like well maybe this hurts because i was gardening yesterday because i was this or that and nine out of ten times it's it's the little thing that you do a hundred times a day that you're not paying attention Mm -hmm. to that's causing that, not the big thing that you do once a quarter yes. or once a month or yes. once a week. Like it's these teeny little yeah. things added up and added up. Well, and it's very normal to be sore after you do your gardening for the first time. You haven't used those muscles in a while, but it shouldn't last weeks. Exactly. But, and so you kind of hit on there, 
the thing that causes the most pain uh -huh. that I have noticed, especially lately, we were just talking about this the other day, people trying to have good posture. <laughs> Explain. I, I came into the office the other day. I was like, if I have to tell one more patient to quit throwing their shoulders back, I'm going to lose it. As you're talking about this, I'm very aware of my posture yes. all of a sudden. But... Yes. No, and, and that is that people are overly aware of their posture. So overextending. We okay. get the, well, <clears throat> so one of my favorite things to tell my, my lady patients is to pretend that their nipples are laser pointers. <laughs> <laughs> the way we were talking about, you have the we perfect temperament for this? Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know. No, you're good. But, and so, but then when we're in the gym, I can be like, hey, lasers down. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? So we have all these like secret braces that pelvic floor patients know, know like, about beans and marbles and lasers and, oh my gosh but but so people i think what happens is like you know people work at a desk yeah okay oh an interesting study came out okay seated posture yes yes has no correlation with developing back pain interesting right now i i, I do believe if you have back pain and you have poor posture yes. it's going to aggravate it yeah but it does not lead to back pain interesting right Anywho, so people sit uh -huh. and they feel like they get this forward right. slouched posture. So they pull their shoulders back to try to sit up straight. Well, eventually, maybe that works and you are looser in the front and stronger in the back. But your body adapts to that and thinks that now maybe this is slouching posture because right. it doesn't, I don't have to work for it anymore. So now you're going to go back further and further and further and you're going to get into an overly extended posture. Mm -hmm. And then you get that, that deep curve in the low back, which puts a lot of pressure on the back and the discs and the nerves and all that. And it causes all sorts of problems. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Oh, I so want to jump into the study you just mentioned, but I feel yeah. like that's going to derail things yeah. quite quite a bit. Well, and the other thing, and and I know that this is kind of how you guys function. Um, we're made to move. Right. Our bodies love. We right. crave movement. Right. Right. Um, I can't tell you how many times I get a total knee on the squat machine, and they're scared to death, and then they do it, and they go, "Oh my god, this feels good." Right. Right. And I tell my patients. Because they, they do something, they tweak their back, their instinct is to go lay on the couch. Yes. Right? I mean, that's in all not... fairness, and I don't want to, like, pass right. the buck or anything, but that's also a lot of kind of, like, I, if I had a nickel for every time someone had a tweak or a pull and some sort of medical profession yep. professional said, said, oh, just I take a couple months off. Yep. Yep. And so then we... when they say, like, oh, but activity, they're like, well, just walk. And we need more active rest, but that's harder to explain to people. But anyhow, so, you know, they, they tweak their back. They want to go lay on the couch and not move because that doesn't hurt. Yeah. It feels better, right? Yeah. But I, I, the way I explain it to people is that, like, let's say I took your arm and I bent your elbow. And I, this is hard when people can't see me. I, I, I know such saying. a gesture and a, like this is really hard. So basically when but, is like, so like aggressive bifoot bi or um, bicep <laughs> flex. Yes. So bend your elbow and then I duct tape it like that. So basically your hand is stuck to the top of your shoulder. Right. Okay. And I say, come back in a week. Yeah. How's that going to feel? It's going to feel terrible, right? Awful. Yeah. Just feel awful. And everybody instinctively knows that. And it's because our body wants to move. We want to move our joints through our full range of motion. And the other thing I'll tell people is, you know, they come in because their back hurts and they ask me about posture yeah. and what posture should I be holding? And that's my little pet peeve there. Um, but I tell them, I say, okay, let's say you came in for shoulder pain. Uh -huh. 
And I said, okay, this is this super simple. All you need to do is just make a nice, strong Popeye muscle. You know, just squeeze that bicep. And you're just going to hold that all day. And so you wouldn't come back to see me, would you? Because right. you'd think I was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? Because <laughs> that's not going to work. You can't hold that all day. But somehow you think it makes sense that you could hold good posture all day. All day. You can't hold good posture. So one thing that we'll use often, especially like on the training floor, mm-hmm. is like Plank's a great example. Sure. Of, I mean... You could make an argument that plank as an exercise is basically just loaded posture, mm-hmm. right? Like brace sure. neutral spine, like find it, and then sure. we're going to load it by putting it in a biomechanical disadvantage. Mm-hmm. That's it. But the yeah. goal is to set it, maintain it throughout this loaded period. Right. If you can access your diaphragm and mm-hmm. you can find that breath, it's reasonably safe to assume that your posture is probably where it should be. Well, and that is what I teach my patients, and this this takes time and practice and a lot of education but the best way to know if you're sitting in good posture how easy is it to take a belly breath there you go so if you can't take a good belly breath change your posture a little bit slouch a little more sit up a little bit more find that easy breath now i work because it's not if it were one size fits all yeah i would have a video out and i would make a million dollars from my couch (laughs) right so (laughs) it is not one size fits all and some people i have to cue them at their ribs or their pelvis or their knees or their neck you know i have to change something but there's usually one spot Mm -hmm. where if i can get them in the right position in that spot they immediately go into to a neutral posture Um, but that's how i teach them instead of thinking i'm going to pull my shoulders back because you can end up pulling them too far back. Right. You can just use your breath. There's an acceptable range. And if I'm right. not aware of what that is, right. it's easy to go on either right. end of the spectrum. Right. And, and, and we're not good at self-monitoring. No. So, like, there's there's research that shows external cues is better are better than internal cues, which basically what that means is if you're doing a squat mm-hmm. and I see your knees going way forward of your toes. Right. If I say keep your knees behind your toes, it might work. But if I put a stick in front of you and say, don't let your knees hit the stick, that's going to work way better. That's right. an external cue. Right. Okay. So we're not good at monitoring internal. You know, we don't know if we're good in good posture or not, but we can see if our belly is moving. Right. So that's a much easier way to monitor your, your posture once you kind of know what you're doing. Wow. So again, back to... I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this. It's been really interesting for us because we have started to, you know, over the years notice this very strong correlation to like the more that someone can tap into their breath, Mm -hmm. what happens in terms of performance metrics. Mm -hmm. And if we can teach people like not only where it is, how to find it, Mm -hmm. and you touched on like this this posture awareness that Mm -hmm. comes because if I'm in good positions... Things will function the way they're supposed to. If my positions are poor, then they're going to stop doing what they need to do, and I'm going to start to make detours or changes within within the... Compensations. There you go. Mm -hmm. So what we start to see is people on the training floor start to notice improvements in certain areas because they're able to harness their breath when they Mm -hmm. need that stability. Right. Can you touch on that really quick? Like, why would that be some... Why? How does that work? How is it that by tapping into their breath Mm -hmm. and being deliberate Mm -hmm. and diligent about when I'm exhaling, how I'm exhaling, how Mm -hmm. long it is, all these things, making sure that, I mean, because, so just quick example, 
how many times you see like if someone's doing a push-up or doing a big mm-hmm. effort that it's inhale and then when they go to effort and then that big puff at the end where we're just holding and trying to create inner abdominal pressure throughout the whole time. Mm-hmm. So that hold is called Valsalva maneuver, mm-hmm. right? Which is bad. We don't like <laughs> <laughs> We don't like Valsalva. Valsalva leads to strokes and other bad things. Um, but that is your body instinctually knowing that changing the pressure in your abdomen changes how stable you are. Right. So So it's a cheat. No, in a well, Valsalva, yes. 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 Well, to, to create better inner abdominal pressure. It's a modification of a correct thing to do. There you go. Yes. So the way that your body stabilizes your spine is through the amount of pressure in your abdomen. Mm-hmm. So we call it intra-abdominal pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so think of a pop can. Yep. If the pop can is sealed and there's good pressure in it, it's very sturdy. You could stand on it probably, mm-hmm. right? You open that can, you let the pressure out, now you can whoosh it against your forehead if you're... Have a good time, right? <laughs> um, so very easily collapsed. And that's how we are. If there's good pressure in our abdomen, we're stable. Okay? So your core that we're going back to, kind of how we started this whole conversation, is not just your abs. Your core is that pop can. It has to have a complete sealed cylinder. Okay? So that cylinder is the transversus abdominis. They had that right. Yes. Okay? Because your transversus abdominis wrap all the way around you. So that's the outside of your pop can. But it's just a part of it. Right. But, and then, so the top of your pop can is your diaphragm. Right? So diaphragm goes all the way through, front to back, side to side. So that's the top of your pop can. So if you had, let's say you had a toothpaste tube, mm-hmm. okay, and the top wasn't on all the way, mm-hmm. and you gave it a really hard squeeze around the middle, <laughs> right? It makes that sound, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. Well, so imagine now if you are working your core, like you're a new mom, you mm-hmm. just had a baby, mm-hmm. and you want your six-pack back. <sighs> um. <laughs> <laughs> um so you're working really hard You go to a boot camp or something like that, and you're really working those abs, and you're really, those abs wrap all the way around your body. When they tighten, they're going to give you a good hard squeeze around the middle. Mm-hmm. Guess what's going to happen? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> right? You're going to fart in the middle of class. You're going to pee your pants. You're going to start to get prolapse. Things will be falling out. You know, <laughs> bad news, right? Right. So... That's why pelvic floor is so important. So that is the bottom of your pop can, okay? So that's what holds everything together, mm-hmm. okay? So you've got diaphragm, abs, pelvic floor. So, but, your, you know what your diaphragm does, right? Makes you... Makes you breathe. Right. And approximately what percent of your day would you say you're breathing? I would say 100. Correct! <laughs> Hopefully, anyway, right? We hope we're not holding our breath that much. Um, except maybe... Um, so you should be breathing all the time. So your diaphragm should be moving all the time. Right. So if the top of your pop can is moving, you can't maintain good pressure, right? Right. So the way that our body works, and this is, this is the way it works naturally. People don't believe me once they try it because this this doesn't feel natural when you do it at first, but I can tell you they have done imaging. They put needles in people's diaphragms. They do all these tests. Um, and it is, this is how your body works when it's functioning normally, but your diaphragm and your pelvic floor go up and down together. Okay. Interesting. So that is like a piston. Yeah. So it maintains a constant pressure in your abdomen. So it gives you stability, but everything gets to move. You know, we just talked about everything wants to move. Stability is not 
holding. It's not static. No. And that's a huge misconception. It's yes. that stability is this static environment yes. where everything holds still when yep. no, it's just, it's maintaining position. But there's a lot of movement. I mean, yeah, eh, really, yeah, no, not, that's not, not a good way to position. say it. Um, now, it's because, well, so, okay, so let's say this isn't working. Let's say your your piston has failed. Right. Okay. So your body, again, you talked about, you know, you're not going to stop breathing just because you can't breathe right. Right. So you're not going to stop moving just because your core isn't stabilizing well. Your body's going to find a workaround. Yes. Okay. So instead, so what should happen is your, this piston system does most of the stabilization and then other muscles like your other abdominal muscles, your paraspinals, your spinal muscles, things like that, some of your hip muscles, they should kick in when you're doing something heavier. So let's say you're doing a deadlift uh-huh. or, or lifting your child uh-huh. or pushing something or running, then those muscles kick in, give you extra support. Okay. When you're done, they shut off. They get a break. Right. And then they're ready to go later. Right. Right. Okay, so if your piston goes out, you're gonna use those muscles all the, all time. the time. So one of the things that can happen which is why I have a job, um, is that your paraspinal muscles are going to kick in and turn on all the time. Mm -hmm. So these are going to be your people that you see with that real sway back, like the really arched low back. Like big anterior tilt? Yep, anterior tilted pelvis. So I'm sorry, just for people listening, uh, if you think of your pelvis as a bucket of water, an anterior tilt would be dumping water out the front of your bucket. So basically where your waistline is. So imagine you're spilling water all over the floor. Good call. I like that. Um, so those back muscles are tightening, they're tipping that bucket forward. Uh-huh. The other thing they're doing is they're compressing the spine. Right. So the way it should work <clears throat> in for real life is that your, your piston should be stabilizing you. Those paraspinal muscles should turn on and then off and then on and then off. And so as they turn on, they compress mm-hmm. and then as they turn off that compression goes. So they're, they're compressing and relaxing these discs between your vertebrae. That is really good for your discs. What, uh, for fluid. Yes. Dynamic. It pumps and the fluids through. Your, your discs don't have a lot of blood flow, so they rely on this fluid being pumped in and out by your motions. Well, and you mentioned earlier, I think a big part of the reason that um, movement is so healing mm-hmm. is that like it helps drive the lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, without, like it doesn't have its own pump. So, right. without this, this movement, things just sit and it just gets really stagnant. Right. Because our body likes to move. It likes to move. Um, so the, these discs are getting the fluid pumped in and out of them. If those muscles of your back are just on mm-hmm. and just smooshing that disc the whole time, disc isn't going to be healthy and the disc isn't going to be able to handle. The way I, it was described to me is like, so the one, if you're keeping that, and it, maybe that doesn't sound good to people listening, it's like right. fluid pumping, but think of it as like mini oil changes. Yeah. Old absolutely. stuff comes out, new stuff comes in over and over and over, and it keeps the tissue supple and healthy yes. like a steak. Right. Versus beef jerky. Yes. Which what happens to beef? It's it's brittle. It doesn't move well. If it right. moves too far, it bends. It rips. It's right. it, it's more so maintaining tissue health. Yes. So I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Yes. No, no, no. That's perfect. I love. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So it keeps your discs healthy, and then if they're compressed all the time, that's not good. You know, they get they get more susceptible to damage. Um, so. That's a lot of why I see people. And then if you grip your abs all the time, your abs and your paraspinals turn on together. So if you're tightening your abs and holding it all the time, you're compressing your spine all the time. So we want that movement, um, that fluidity. And the other thing that happens is if those paraspinal muscles turn on 
and you're trying to do something where you have to twist, well now, wherever those muscles are on, I can't move. Gotcha. So you've really reduced where you can twist to just a few places. So instead of getting a little bit of rotation at every segment of right. your spine, you're getting a ton of twist in one spot. And that's where you get injury. Interesting. Yeah. So instead of spreading the load, we're isolating it to one spot. To and one that's spot. where we get. And that's the same with bending. Isolation Everybody's bad, right? Bending. Yes. Isolation, isolation is bad. bad. <laughs> Although, well, okay. <laughs> I will Let's just say, be generally in yes, that regard. General isolation. Stop is doing bicep curls. Yes, yes. <laughs> so funny side note. I was talking to my coworkers about doing this, and I yeah. was like, "What are some things you guys hate that you see?" And immediately, like three people were like, "Scarecrows." <laughs> oh my god! Upright rows. No scarecrows. Well, so we, upright rows oh, is yeah. what they're called in, in the fitness oh, world. I am happy to say, guess how many upright rows have been done in this space in five years? How many? Zero. Yay! Not a one yes. because oh, it so is <laughs> such a high. I'm like, hey, let's take shoulders oh. that aren't mobile and let's impinge them mm-hmm. under load yep. multiple times. That is the test we do for impingement. I know. This is the test. And oh my god, best case scenario, fully functional shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. The benefit of that exercise is nothing. Yeah, there's it, it helps improve. Well, I don't know. I do this all the time, all day. Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah like all the time. Yeah. To, you know, do you so. spend a lot of time in Mardi Gras? That's, <laughs> that's like the shirt lifting motion. Yeah. So yeah. if you're going to spring break maybe, in, yeah. in, in, in New Orleans, Orleans maybe some upright yeah. rows are your yeah. thing yeah. if you want to get some beads. Because yeah. well, you know what? Because after a while, the beads, there's a lot of them. So there's a lot of load <laughs> to, to get the t-shirt up. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. This is all making a lot of sense. Uh, okay, so here's here's the problem I'm running into is that... I've always known that you were a very interesting person. I just didn't realize how interesting. There's no way that we're going to be able to get in everything I want you today. So okay. if you'll have it, I definitely yes. want to have you back for a round two. Sure. Because there's Absolutely. a whole other topic, a couple yeah. actually, that I want to dive into. Yeah. And I think Absolutely. based on this conversation so far, it's going to go deeper than I thought. Sure. Um, I do want to finish up with yes. pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Just for women, question mark? Okay, you know what? You might answer for that. How many old dudes do you know that smell like pee? <laughs> a couple. <laughs> yeah. And how many times did your grandpa fart when he stood up on the chair? Right? <clears throat> yes. So, no, everyone has a pelvic floor. Okay. Men's do not experience as much trauma, right. typically. Understandable. Um, yes. So, one thing I did want to mention. So, for women who have had a baby. Mm-hmm. Give yourself time to heal. Right. So what women don't realize, because we have a baby, there are no outward scars, right? Like maybe you had an episiotomy or you tore, but There's honestly, no nobody looks down there. It's scary, right. right? So you don't see anything. But so to put it in perspective, the wound that is left behind after you have your baby, C-section or vaginal delivery, doesn't matter, is the size of a dinner plate. Okay. So you have a wound the size of a dinner plate. You should not be going back to full force exercise in two weeks. If you had a wound that size on your back, you sure as heck wouldn't be going back in two weeks. So just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not not there. there. And you need to be kind to your body and let it heal before you start getting back into things. All the reasons that you listed the benefits of focusing on pelvic floor and breathing and making Mm -hmm. sure that these areas are working properly, none of them 
were the only thing that you said that was female specific would have been the childbirth, but right. all the other things applied for men too. Yep, and men tend to get tight in their pelvic floor. Okay. So they'll get like testicular pain or okay. groin pain or adductor strains or that sort of thing. So. I, so. Yeah. Yeah. So men need it too. We're gonna have, we're gonna have to have you back for part two. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sorry. No. So. And you also get an award. You are the first person to use the term vaginal on the podcast. <laughs> so I don't think that's ever going to come up again right. in normal conversation. So uh, I think that's spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of, I don't even like notice anymore. Like I don't, I don't have any filter for what's Oh no, it was seamless anymore. and it was, it was perfect. So, it was great. It was just yeah. funny. I was like, I don't think that's come up before. Uh, no, but I do like... <laughs> I have talked to other public floor therapists and they make fun of me because I will tell my patients, like, you know what, just squeeze your hoo-ha. Because, like, so people don't know the medical terms sometimes, and but they know what their hoo-ha is. Or I'll t- it's another first. I tell men, like, so when they try to Kegel, yeah. they should feel everything t- lift. Yeah. But sometimes they don't know what that means, so I'll tell them, well, turtle. <laughs> and they, they know what that means. Because I'll tell them to shorten their penis and they go, I don't want to. I said, just turtle. Just do it. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, That's good. But we can't top that. I, <laughs> we're gonna. I mean, we, yeah, you're, you're gonna be back. Yeah. But I think that's a good place to put a pin in it because yeah. that's just a beautiful one. And this yeah. was this is a pleasure. Thank you so much for yeah. coming, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Sounds good. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I truly hope that you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Um, I know we were a bit all over the map, but um, have no fear. We already have a second one in the books scheduled. There's a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk with Wynn about that we didn't get to, and uh, I definitely want to touch on those things. So we have, a, we have another one scheduled. There will be a second episode to follow up with her, so you have that to look forward to. If you want the live version, if you want to get to know Win a little bit better and learn a little bit more about integrating some of these things into your training and how we do that at Performance Locker and how you can do it through different disciplines. We got some special events coming up. Uh, You can find information and dates on all these on the Facebook page. That's going to be the best place to go for up-to-date information. So the Performance Locker Facebook page. We're going to have a couple... Let's call them lift and learns. Um, one's going to be before one of our noon workouts, uh, 11.30 to 12, and that'll be completely free to members, non-members, anybody who wants to come in. Wynn's going to do a short presentation right before that noon workout. Uh, we're looking at another one on a Saturday morning around the gentle yoga class, um, probably right after, so around 9.30, 10-ish in the morning. Uh, We're also going to do a special Friday night event that's going to be a little bit longer, a little bit more in-depth. Wynn's going to do her thing. She's going to talk. And then uh, we're going to take you through some different yoga poses that are going to help showcase some of the things that she's talking about. So three things. we got a lunchtime offering, free 30-minute open to anybody. we got a Saturday morning, free 30-minute open to anybody. And then the Friday night will be free to all Performance Locker members. And if you're a non-member, it'll just be the normal cost of a yoga class. So you pay for a regular yoga class and you get a whole lot more, something special. So uh, keep an eye on the Facebook page for all those coming up. Also, while you find yourself on that computer and in that internet world, if you're digging the podcast, share it. Subscribe, give us a rating, do something, anything. But we would really support, uh, really appreciate it. We really appreciate your support. And anything you can do to help support the podcast, we also really appreciate. So until next time, thanks for listening.